0: Shouldn't feel sorry for your old life. Your new one's much better. You're crazy if you still do. Get rid of the old. Step into the new. Isn't that cool? Get rid of that old stuff. Get rid of all that old stuff that's driving you crazy. That doesn't apply to your kids. Some of you are thinking, you know what, Josh? I would really like some new kids right about now. (laughs) Right? After the holiday season, after you've spoiled them rotten and they don't appreciate anything that you've gotten them, you might want some new kids. Maybe you want a new spouse. You can't have one of those either. Maybe you want a new car and you're willing to go on the debt for it. So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the newness of life. Stepping into Christ, in stepping out of our old life, our old sinful mindset. Um, Paul, of course, is the master at this, and we can learn a lot from him. In 2 Corinthians, he says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone, and the new is here. Philippians 3, Not that I have already obtained all of this, Or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, here we go, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. And that's for you this week. I mean, think about your year. We're going to be doing this today. We're going to be thinking and reflecting on our year a little bit. You got to forget about those failures of 2017. You got to forget about your blunders. You even need to forget. Did anybody sin in 2017? <laughs> oh. oh, I got. See, once again, Sue's the only one in the audience that's, that's, that's honest. She's just, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in the year of 2017. Um, here's the thing once you've repented and asked God for forgiveness of that, like God doesn't see it anymore. It's gone. It's old. You need to take it out to the garbage and leave it there. Ephesians 4. "...put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires." And be renewed in the spirits of your mind. And put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Isn't that cool? But we get attached, don't we? We have attachments to old stuff. We have uh, emotional bonds to old stuff. We have what is charismatics call We have soul ties to old things and old relationships and old feelings. Maybe even old objects. I'm uh, reading this book. It's, I'm about a, i am about I keep putting it down because it's annoying. But I'm reading this book because I know that, like, there's something wrong with my life, right? There's something wrong with my practical life. I'll just be honest. I'm just too messy at times. my life is getting too cluttered and so i'm reading this book and it's called the magical art of uh, tidying up it's the japanese art form of decluttering your life and it's amazing it's a great read and it makes complete sense so as i'm reading this it's like oh my gosh i can do this I have a game plan. She tells me how to get my life tidy step by step. She has a system. It's amazing. I can do it. And I did it. I, I actually went, I've gone through this process the last week or so. I started with my clothes. I got all my clothes out. I threw them all over the place, and I, and I started going through them. And here's the thing that you got to do. This is what she teaches us. I forgot the name. She's some Japanese name. <laughs> Kurosawa, Mitsunaga, whatever. Um... She says you need to you need to get all your objects. You need to lay them all out. Start with your clothes, and you touch that cloth. You touch the cloth, and if it it sounds a little new agey and weird, but uh, whatever. Um, And if, if you touch the object, and if you don't feel joy in the object, like if if it doesn't spark joy when you when you when you have it, you need to toss it. Right. So I was going through this process. I got rid of a ton of stuff in my closet. At least half of it's gone. And so I'm touching things in my closet. And maybe not necessarily joy, but, like, there's this one shirt that I had an emotional connection to. And wasn't, it wasn't necessarily joy, but it was just, like, I, sentimental? I don't know. And so that was the struggle, right? It's letting go of the old stuff and... You know, getting what is new or making sure that I'm just focusing on the things in life that bring me joy. It is, again, I got the roadmap, I got the book, it makes complete sense into my mind, but actually doing it was extremely hard. You see where I'm going with this. practically to declutter my life, to take things out that are, that are causing me stress, that are frustrating me, the things that I'm tripping over constantly, to actually get those things and remove them from my life, it is harder in, to do practically than it is to do in theory. And this is, what, this is how we live our life spiritually, too, through the Bible, Like, we get the Bible, but to actually live it out, to actually be a Christian and to have a Christian lifestyle, it's easier said than done. Amen? Amen. It's easier said than done. Let's just be honest. And so one of the things that really hit me was the clothes were somewhat easy, but all the junk on my nightstand, that was hard. The pile of books They say that books are the hardest thing to get rid of. The pile of books was very difficult. Actually, I I haven't touched them yet. They're still there. They're still still precious to me, right? I still have to have them. I haven't read some of them in years. Uh, The drawer of my nightstand is full of receipts that I just might need someday. (laughs) Um, But there was this one object that... um, I touched it, no joy, but I couldn't bring myself to get rid of this thing. And, and so, I, I guess like I could say I failed on my uh, tidying crusade, right? I just like, ah, I might need that, I don't, Okay, I can't do this right now, it's going back in the drawer and I'm getting distracted, I'm going to go watch TV, now, right? Instead of being responsible and, and staying on task, I got distracted because I couldn't deal with getting rid of this one object. And then a couple days later, I get back on track, okay, right? You know, you know how it is? You know, you get back on track, you try to, to will yourself to get some self-discipline and, and accomplish your, your goal that you set out to do, and this object pops back up, and here's the embarrassing thing. Um, it is, it's a little Tupperware container that is full of generic Tums. Right? Generic Tums. And I haven't opened this thing in a long time. The reason why I haven't opened them, because I was too cheap to buy the good ones, to buy the actual Tums. So I wanted to save money, so I bought the cheap Tums, and they're nasty, (laughs) And and I won't eat them. But here's the thing that really clicked in my head. Because among all the other clutter that is on my nightstand is a jar of real Tums that I bought because I wouldn't eat the nasty ones. Yet for some reason, I won't throw away the Tupperware jar of nasty Tums. And yet, I was like, they're so bad, I'm going to go to the store and buy the real ones. Why won't I throw the old ones away? It's because I might need them someday. Right? you never know when i just might like Tums might go out of business and i might not be able to get the good ones ever again or i might be so bedridden and i can't move out of my bed and i might eat all of the good Tums and so i need a backup i need a backup supply of generic Tums why can't i get rid of this stuff what is the attachment to this junk do we really need it And furthermore, what things spiritually, emotionally, relationally, what things am I holding on to that I just can't let go of? I have, in this whole process, I found Christmas cards from last year still up in our house that we haven't thrown away. I mean, these are from people I don't like anymore. Why, why am I keeping their photograph on my refrigerator from, two, from Christmas 2016, not 17? They're still on my refrigerator. And I can't take it off and throw it away because it has faces on it. It's got some type of emotional connection. There definitely isn't any joy in it. So why am I keeping it? Right? Why? You guys like my jacket? Yes. I haven't worn this jacket in over five years. The only reason why I'm wearing it now is because it's my sermon illustration. <laughs> and I've tried it a couple times in the past, and it, I try it, and I'm like, eh, it doesn't feel right, right? Eh, but I have to have it, right? Because I went to, what concert did I go to in this thing? It was not Barry Manilow. <laughs> it was not Barry Manilow. I, oh my gosh, you'll still love me if I tell you, right? I think it was like the Violent Femmes or something like that. So it's like I'm not—I have like some type of an emotional connection to this jacket for some dumb reason. Hmm? I won't get rid of it, but it doesn't feel right on me. And maybe it's because it's, it's velvet. <laughs> and maybe it's because it has silk pink lining in it. I, but it doesn't feel right. So, church, what, do, what should I do with this? Should it stay or should it go? <laughs> I've got some stays. This happened first service, too. I got split decisions. You see how hard it is? But deep down inside, I know if, it doesn't, if this object doesn't bring me joy, it's got to go. It doesn't fit. <laughs> Right? Still fits. It still fits. So, what are, we, what are we to do? If it is so hard to get rid of our physical junk, how much more difficult is it to get rid of our emotional or our spiritual baggage or our relational baggage? If you ever think about that. I think this is why we struggle so much. If it's so hard to apply a practical book on tidying up, how much more difficult is it to apply the Word of God into our practical life so we begin to live a Christian lifestyle, so we actually live out what the Word of God says? It's not not easy, is it? But there is a way. We can get from point A to point B. We can begin to... Strengthen our faith muscles to build in regular habits. One of the rhythms of life is Sabbath. You know, it helps. You know, those of you who have been faithful, coming in consistently, like we can see change in you, we can see marked differences. You can't see it, but you know, your friends and your neighbors and your family, they can see you change and transform over time. And you need to be encouraged too that even though it's very hard to apply practical change, um, you're not alone. It's not just me that struggles with it. Um, The Apostle Paul struggled with it too. He struggled with this idea of, all right, how do I actually live this thing out? I was given a rule book, and the rule book failed me. I was married to a specific system, and now all of a sudden my life has changed because Jesus came onto the planet. I had an encounter with him, and now I'm married with Christ. So everything has changed. And let's listen to what Paul says, because he couldn't get his stuff cleaned up either. This is Romans chapter 7, verse 17. But I need something more. Are you sitting in the audience, sitting in your life, you're not quite content, like there's something a little lopsided, something not quite right, and you know it? For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. Sabotage. Have you ever sabotaged your own life? Have you ever were on the the verge of success? You're about ready to go over that hill. You're about ready to get the promotion. You're about ready to get the A. You're about ready to succeed at something. You're about ready to pay your bills. And then you self-sabotage. You ever done this? I've done it. One of my classes in college... um, I just really gravitated to it, and I was really excited about it. Um, I've always been like a B student, C student. That's always been my, my, that's just kind of where I've always flown throughout my whole education. And even in college, I was always the B student, C plus student. And I had this one class that I really loved in biblical archaeology. Imagine that. And um, my professor says, Josh, you're at the top of the class. I'm like, shut up. He's like, no, you're, 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 a, you're, you're the best. And you need to know that, um, you know, there's magnum culottes in this class, and you're at the top of the class. And that freaked me out. And I self-sabotaged my A because I couldn't deal with the success of being the best of the class. It was really weird. Have you ever dealt with this one? And so even though my, my intentions were best, um, there is this... I hate to even call it sin nature, but there's this fallenness inside of us that will self-sabotage. You get too close to God, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't be too holy, right? I can't be too good because the Bible tells me that I'm a sinner saved by grace, so I have to continue to maintain my identity as a sinner, right? And so you self-sabotage. So Sometimes the reason why we slip up and we fall is we're kind of afraid of the responsibility of success. We're afraid of the responsibility of actually living out this thing called Christianity, about being a follower of Christ, about being a saint and not a sinner. See, the identity that God's called you into is sainthood, not sinnerhood. Sinnerhood. Is that a word? So right it is now, right? Um, let's talk about repentance real quick. Did anybody sin over the Christmas holiday season? Um, there's, you know, you know this there's major sins and there's minor sins. And I guess they're all equal in God's eyes. Not quite sure about that pound of chocolate that I ate. I ate an entire pound of chocolate. And yeah. <laughs> and. Um, and I've been doing so good lately. I've been doing so. I've been, you know, adopting this healthy lifestyle. Totally, just fell off the wagon with the chocolate, and um, I had the willpower to resist it for only, you know, one day or two days. And you know, you, you wake up in the middle of the night and you grab some, right? Get a little shaky. Oh, I need some, like, I need a Snickers bar because I'm shaky or something, and right. <laughs> That's okay. I'll balance. I'll wash it out with a diet coke, right? It will balance. And um, and I just noticed in my own personal life, the things that I really try to resist and really try to to use willpower to fight back, those types of things. For some strange reason, I continue to give more power to in my life, right? So if you live from, if you come from a party background and you're constantly in your mind like I'm not gonna party, I'm not gonna party, I'm not gonna party, guess what you're gonna do? Okay? It's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. Uh people that are um, that are that are in you know that that commit crimes and end up in jail, that's the attitude that they have in their mind too, in their heart. It's their mindset. You know, oh I'm gonna get arrested. Oh I'm gonna get arrested. Oh I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna get caught, I'm gonna get caught, and sure enough they get caught. It's They begin to carry themselves almost in a guilty way. And you know that God doesn't want you to carry yourself in a sin-ridden, guilty way? He's already forgiven you of your sins. And if you continue to carry yourselves in a sin-ridden, guilty way, you're just going to sin again because you're resisting it. And what you resist is going to continue to persist in your life. I obviously need help, Paul says. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. Can I get an amen? Amen. I can will the diet, but I can't do it. I can do it for a little bit. Um, I can will repentance. And it works for a while, but I can't actually do it. Not for a long term. I decide to do what is good, but I don't really do it. I decide to do not do what is bad, but then I do it anyway. I'm not going to eat that box of chocolate. I'm not going to eat that box of chocolate. I'm not going to eat that box of chocolate, and then I do it anyway. Mm-hmm. My decisions such are, are they do not result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep inside of me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it is predictable. This is the saint. This is the apostle Paul telling us. I do the things that I don't want to do, and it's driving me crazy. Paul saying this. Does that make you feel better about yourself? Paul saying, "Now this is the guy. This is the guy. He. What is his background? He is an expert." in the law he is a theologian by trade and he's had an encounter with jesus on the damascus road and he's literally the things that he's putting his hands to he's literally transforming entire communities by the gospel message of jesus and then he says stuff like this i continue to do things that i don't want to do why is that what is it deep down inside of me I'm thinking when I'm reading this and I'm I'm meditating over Romans a little bit. Um, There's two ways to look at it. There's one where, okay, he doesn't do it now because he's got victory over it, or does he? I think what we need to get into in our heads is are you at least falling forward? Are you at least... Conscious that, okay, I I can't do it within my own will, but if I can just not sin as much next time, right? And that's probably the worst example ever. That'd be like saying, if I can just do one line of Coke instead of two lines of Coke, right? So that's... but. But, but there is a little bit of truth in this, right? You've got to fall forward. You've got to quit beating yourself up. You've got to say, okay, he's making me better each and every day. And if in my mind and if in my spirit and if in my soul, I am saying to myself, I'm getting rid of the old and I'm beginning to step into, I'm going to begin to put on the new, I'm going to begin to find myself in Christ. And the newness of life is in Christ, I think this is an important point that I missed for a service. The newness of life that you so desire will not be satisfied by your American consumer mentality, right? So, deep down inside, you desire the newness of life that is truly transformational, but because of our brokenness, because we're all messed up, we think that we can fill that void with the new car or with a new relationship or with a new object, or whatever. So we just need to be mindful of this, I think, because you, know, you are wired to walk in a fresh revelation of who Jesus is and a fresh prophetic vision of your own personal life. It is okay to desire the newness. It is okay to want to be fresh. It is okay to even have this desire to start over because each day is a new day. And we need to quit living in the past and begin to see a vision for the future. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covet rebellion. Yeah, did you guys catch that? part of you. So instead of being attracted to delight, um, what does our Japanese organizer say? You need to touch that thing. That thing does not bring you joy. Discard it, right? Okay, so let's push that concept into the spiritual. If you're touching something in the spiritual, soulish, emotional, relational realms... And if there is not that divine spark of joy, it doesn't belong in your life. Parts of me covetantly rebel. We we kick against, you know, we're, we're just fighters in our nature. We like to rebel, especially as Americans. And just when we least expect it, they take charge. I have tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. This is the most amazing man in the world saying this, the exception of Jesus. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? He says, what am I going to do? I can't get out of this. I'm, I'm caught in this constant state of failure almost. What am I going to do? Can anybody help me? The answer, thank God, this is verse 25, is that Jesus Christ can and does. So yeah, there is somebody that can help you. There is somebody that can help you get your house tidy, and there's somebody that can help you get your soul tidy as well. Jesus Christ can and does both. He acted to set things right, In this life of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all of my heart and my mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. How many people can relate to this? Like, in your heart and in your mind, you know what's right. In your heart and your mind, you know that you need to read the good book, and you need to follow along, and you need to follow the road map. But deep down inside, you keep on messing it up. And first thing is, Jesus is, is the solution to this. Before we get into chapter 8, you can't read chapter 7 without reading chapter 8. Man, if I stopped right now and sent you all home, there's a problem with when, they, you know, when you end with chapters. Because you just, you just can't end at 7. Because basically it's saying, no, you're, you know what, you're going to continue doing bad things. And there's nothing that you can do about it. But he's saying, no, there is something that can be done about it. Jesus is the source, and he's the power. Let's talk about the enemy of God for a second. Let's talk about Beelzebub, the devil himself, right? We know from John 10.10 that the devil has a plan, and he has a purpose for your life, and that is death and destruction. He wants to unravel everything that is good in your life, and he wants to make you in his image. And what is the devil's image? Well, he's rebellious, of course. But here's the thing that we don't necessarily notice about him when we think about the guy in the red tights. He is fearful. Yes, he is. He is scared to death. A lot of preachers, maybe including myself, we preach that the devil's after you. He's going to get you and your kids, right? And the wise Christian will fear the will fear the devil. Maybe you should fear the Lord more than you should fear the devil. But here's the thing. The way that you have been created, the way that you're designed, the way that the church should function is that the enemy of God fears you. You don't fear him. He is a fearful, anxious, uptight, bitter, angry being. Now, well, Pastor Josh, that sounds a lot like me right now. Maybe. It's just because he's the liar and you're believing the lie. You're not designed to live in constant fear, anxiety, depression. He's depressed, too, because he knows that he's lost. And he makes bad decisions over and over again. You just can't go into alignment with what he is. Okay, so if you are these things, now you can get out of them. You really can. There is a way out, and it takes place. By being in Christ, it takes place by capturing every thought. It takes place by changing the way that you see yourself. Some of us just need to get a completely different perspective of your life. I got an amazing perspective yesterday. I went up in an airplane and I saw a our little, our little tiny building. I'm like, oh, that's not that cute? It has a brand new white roof. That's awesome. But it helps you put, get, get outside of yourself, get, get outside of your circumstances, out of your problems. Your problems aren't near as big as you think that they are. They're there maybe just to even make you a better person. You're going through this difficulty, this hardship, you lost your job. Maybe you probably didn't even like your job anyway. So maybe this is probably an opportunity for you to step into an open door that God is setting up. So this is use this negative thing for a positive experience, making you better. So instead of going into... Fear and anxieties come at it with the opposite uh, opposite spirit. Okay, well maybe I'm not fearful. You ever feel fearful? Maybe I'm not fearful. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not anxious. Maybe I'm just excited. Isn't that a better feeling or a better emotion? Right. So change it. You can. You have the. You have the opportunity. You have the. The right to change the way you feel. Here's the, here's the scary thing about what the gospel tells us. is that It is transforming. This, you're not going to like this. There's parts about your personality that are old. And they need to go out into the trash. Because the new one's better. So quit feeling sorry about the old thing in your life. Let's get the new thing. Some of us still mourn and grieve that we've lost our glory party days. Right? Don't feel sorry for that. The new life is much better. You didn't like it anyway. The good old days weren't that good. You were actually miserable and you just don't remember that. There's parts about you that do need to change. Remember this word that God uh, that God gave John during worship, that heaviness? You feel that heaviness when you walk in, right? Did God create you to feel heaviness in your life? To feel stressed? No. How do you fix that? How do you fix that, John? You praise him. You worship him because once you begin to learn the, the secret and the pattern and the health and the power of praise, worship, thanksgiving, guess what can't be in the room anymore? They can't cohabitate together. Heaviness, depression, it, just, it can't exist in the same place with praise and worship. So here's the unfortunate truth. God did not create you to be depressed. He, that's, that's the devil's problem. He's depressed. You're just inflicted, and God's gonna set you free from that, right? That is not who you are. That's not your initial intent. So how do you stop being depressed? You worship and you give thanksgiving. But Pastor Josh, you don't understand my circumstances. Well, I've about heard them all. I know I got another one coming that's gonna blow me away. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I thought I was messed up. This person's really messed up. (laughs) And each and every time, God's spirit is true. He, he, he is faithful. He can get anybody out of any situation, any circumstance, in every single circumstance, from the worst, the most disgusting, most violent, most horrible possible thing that you could possibly imagine, God will use it for good. Everything. And so we get to walk into that opportunity and that truth. All right, so let's do Romans 8, because this is cool. The solution is life on God's terms. Romans chapter 8. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us No longer live under a conscious, low-lying black cloud. we got to get this off of us. You ever feel like you're just under a dark cloud all the time? It's not the way it's meant to be. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ. And like a strong wind... Has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the at the hands of sin and death. So when Jesus comes into your life, when the ruach of God, when the Spirit of God, it begins to lift those clouds, and you're no longer under this constant tyranny, the tyranny of the urgent, the, the 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 pressure of the circumstances with somebody yesterday he says you know what we were we were up in a plane so it kind of helped he says you know what when I'm up in the plane when I'm with God well, I'm not anxious about anything like I don't worry about a thing anymore what an incredible thing right I don't worry about a thing anymore he's got the same problems that you do He's got relational problems. Can't pay his bills. But he does not worry. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing if he didn't have to worry? He needs to praise instead? God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. So God does not see your problems, no matter how dumb they are, right? Even my problem of my nasty-tasting tongues that I keep in a type of you know, thing in my drawer that I'm somewhat weirdly attached to, no, God cares about that, too. So nothing in your life is remote or unimportant to God. In his son, Jesus... He personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once again and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured humanity, could never have done that. Only Jesus could make it perfect. All right, so let's just talk about Let's just talk about the junk. Let's talk about the clutter. And let's talk about tidying up your mess and the freeing power of tidying up spiritually. It is the last year of 2017, so we're going to do a little practice. I want you to think. Go ahead, close your eyes. Think about your year. How did you do? Could it have been better? Could it have been worse? Think about your year. And instead of using your own will to try to fix your life, let's just invite right now, let's just do something spiritual. Let's just invite the counselor. Let's invite the Holy Spirit in to minister to our souls and our emotions. Let's let the Holy Spirit into you right now and let him highlight those things that are old that need to go away. Maybe it's negativity. Maybe it's cynicism. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's fear. And see, the the Holy Spirit's going to highlight these things, and he's going to say, that's the old lamp. It doesn't produce light anymore. It doesn't give you anything anymore, but you're weirdly attached to it. Let's get rid of it. And again, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. There's a... bring in a little clarity here. There's a young man that uh, has a he's a collector of sorts um, and it's not like you're evil or anything but the, the stuff that you're collecting and that you're almost even hoarding and that you're somewhat passionate about but it doesn't bring you joy that it's that weird uh, so it's don't, don't think I'm judging too hard because I'm a big sci-fi nerd and I like, you know, dragons and stuff too. But this, this attraction to like the, the magic cards and the dungeons and dragons and all that kind of, that dark stuff. Um, it's not necessarily that it's holding a, a demonic spiritual power over you. God's just saying it's time to grow up. Like you're a grown man and you need to get rid of those cards. And you need to quit playing with that stuff. It's not bringing you any joy when you touch it anymore. It just brings a little bit of darkness each time you touch it. And God's just saying, you know, man is attracted to darkness. But you now have Jesus living in you, and you need to be attracted to the light. So, um, yeah, get rid of it. And this one's a little, this one's a little more sensitive, and I don't expect you to come to me, but I do expect you to talk to a lady about it. Um, but just in the area of being uh, having emotional soul ties to the past, your past life, like you had a past life, and you had a certain image that was projected and a certain um, lifestyle, whatever, and now that's gone, and um, you know you're older or whatever. But there's still that, that soul tide of the past. And in order for you to compensate, you, you do it through bulimia. And that's, that needs to be replaced. So the bulimia, your desire is to be healthy, which is a good desire. And it's the, the desire that God put in you, but then you're, just, you're coming at it at the wrong angle. Um, God wants you to, to give him the bulimia, but he wants, it, he wants to replace that habit with a healthy lifestyle of healthy food. And not only are you gonna be free from that, and it, this one is a spiritual connection. This one is a spiritual impulse, like even when you do it, like there's a spiritual oppression that comes on. But that one, will be, you'll be set free from that, and you'll get an enormous amount of breakthrough. And so, what is it for you? Maybe those two weren't you, but like God's going to highlight something very specific, some soul clutter, right? Soul clutter. What is it? What needs to, what needs to be tossed out? What uh, emotional bond do you have to that thing? Get rid of it. It doesn't have any feelings anymore. Quit feeling sorry for it. And um, since it's the end of the year, um, instead of going to the back for prayer, I'm just going to teach you right now to pray for yourself. So um, just get your hand on your heart, because I guarantee everybody's got, everybody needs some tidying up by the end of the year. Uh, just put your hand on your heart and say, Holy Spirit, just come into my, come into my heart right now. And just soul, heal, get healthy soul. Jesus, come into my soul and begin to rearrange the furniture begin to systematize the the removal of clutter in my heart. It is okay and preferable that you just begin to pray for yourself. Let's say it's physical. God, I... I got the bad knee and I just need that knee healed. So in the name of Jesus right now, come into my knee. And I pray right now and I speak to the, the ligaments and I speak to the torn muscle and the sinew. And God, I pray right now that the red blood cells will begin to go where they need to go, begin to do the work that they need to do. God, I pray right now that you just put my body into the right alignment so that it can begin to heal itself and heal it in the proper way. And God, if there is anything in my life that is blocking my healing, I repent of that in the name of Jesus. And I repent because of your love and not because of my sin. Let me say that one again. I repent of the love that you have for me. The reason why I am turning away is because I've recognized your goodness and your love, and I want that. So God, touch me in a deep way right now. And if you... (laughs) If something, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, uh, maybe you think He's your Savior, but He's not your Lord, and you want Him to be your Lord. And after reading that Romans verse, you're like, man, that, that's what I want. I want more. Just continue just to invite Jesus into your heart. He is in you. It's time for you to step into Him. It's time for you to take off the old coat and put on Jesus' coat. It's a better coat, anyway. Oh, you guys look really good. Um, Keep your heads down. Anybody got Crohn's disease? Is anybody dealing with Crohn's disease? All right, good. As we enter into worship, maybe you just think, well, I'm not a worshiper. I want you to ask God, how do I I worship in my own way? You don't have to worship like me or John or anybody else, but God has called you to be a worshiper. So ask him, how do I worship in my own way? And he's going to reveal that to you as we continue into worship. God bless you guys as you continue to press in. Listen to the words. They are from God to you, but they're also from you to God. So this is press on in to his presence.